you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 24 of By the Book. We're in a series. I'm glad you're listening. I hope you're keeping up with us. And if possible, I hope you're taking time to get into the scriptures and review some of the things that we're talking about because we're moving kind of quickly and touching on a lot of scripture that we just don't have time to to fully examine. Last time, we followed Israel's history from Abraham to Saul. Now, that covered about a thousand years. Along with other things, we saw that in Genesis 49, Jacob prophesied that Israel would have kings out of the tribe of Judah, leading to the final or ultimate king. We saw that Israel demanded a king during the end of Samuel's ministry. They got Saul, who was from the tribe of Benjamin, not Judah. According to Acts 13.21, Saul ruled for about 40 years. His sin and rebellion resulted in God removing him from the throne. Now, at this point, you might say, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about the rapture. Well, we are. Remember, you have to know the history to understand prophecy. Now, I believe we're in the last times, and we need to understand as much as we can about what God is doing and what is going to happen. And I know that other generations thought they were in the last times. Now, one thing that stirs us is that Israel is back in the land that God promised them. Now, Israel being in the land is not necessary for the rapture to take place, but they have to be in the land for all of the other end-time events to take place that will lead to the end of this age. Remember, they were out of the land from 70 AD until 1948. 1948. I was alive in 1948. You may not have been, but it wasn't that long ago. After about 2,000 years, back they come into that land, right where they need to be for God to do everything that he has promised in Scripture. So things are moving. God is working. There's a lot we don't know, but we do need to understand what God has given us in his word. So that's why we're in this series. On we go. While Saul was still on the throne, and I'm going to go back to that for a moment. While Saul was still on the throne, again, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was the the king, in essence, that Israel demanded. But while he's on the throne, 1 Samuel 16 tells us that the Lord directed Samuel to go to the house of Jesse. Jesse was from Bethlehem, and he sent Samuel to uh, the house of Jesse because he had chosen one of Jesse's sons to become the next king of the nation. And as you probably know, that son of Jesse was just a boy named David. I love the story, how that Samuel went from son to son, working from the eldest on down And uh, he was ready to anoint, and God said, no, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. Finally, he gets to the point of saying to Jesse, do you have any other sons? 
And Jesse says, yeah, I have this young son. He's, he's the shepherd, you know, out watching the sheep. Bring him in. And God anoints David to be the next king of Israel. And again, what I love about that is nobody thought David was fit to be a king, but God said that man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. I don't think David had any idea of ever becoming a king. I don't think that was his goal, but he had a heart for God, and God called him and anointed him to become the king of the nation. I love that. Now. Samuel anointed David. In 2 Samuel 2, the men of Judah made David king of Judah. And eventually, in 2 Samuel 5, David was accepted as king by the whole nation. And David then made Jerusalem the capital of the United Kingdom of Israel. How incredible, by the way, that President Donald Trump publicly recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel in our time. I absolutely love that. President Trump may have had his problems. I think he was a great president personally. And boy, this step with regard to Israel, very, very powerful, very, very significant. Other presidents talked about it. Congratulations to President Trump. Now, let me emphasize this. David was of the tribe of Judah. Saul wasn't. David, God's choice for the throne, was of the tribe of Judah. And he was the first in the line of kings to fulfill Jacob's prophecy about kings coming out of Judah. Things are moving. See what God is doing. Now we come to 2 Samuel 7. And David speaks to the prophet Nathan and tells him that he wants to build a temple for God. God had taken residence uh, in the tabernacle, and there had never been a permanent dwelling place. David has this heart. I want to build a temple for God. God's response is that David's son will build the temple, but God would build the house of David. I want to read to you 2 Samuel chapter 7, 8 through 17, long passage, but I want to read it to you. It's the Lord's message to David through the prophet Nathan. Here it is, and I'm quoting. Now therefore shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness 
afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. You're not going to make God a house. God's going to make you a house. Nathan goes on. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, and I want you to consider how important this is. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever according to all these words and according to all this vision. So did Nathan speak unto David. Here, the prophecy of Jacob about kings coming out of the tribe of Judah takes on added meaning, new meaning broader meaning. Jacob prophesied there would be kings over the nation of Israel. They would come from the tribe of Judah. Now, Judah had many descendants, but now the line of kings is narrowed. It is not only that the kings would come out of the tribe of Judah, but now the line is narrowed. The Lord, through Nathan, declares that the throne of David through his son Solomon will be the line through which that ultimate king, that final king, will come. Remember Jacob's prophecy that the scepter would not depart from Judah until Shiloh come. That statement, meaning the one to whom the scepter really belongs. Wow. Listen to part of David's response. Verse 24, he says, For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. What a statement. What a response from David to God. He says, again, you have confirmed to yourself the people of Israel to be a people unto thee forever. That's verse 24. Verse 29, David again, speaking to the Lord. Therefore now, 
let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it. And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Now soon you're going to get tired of me going back and, <clears throat> and rehearsing this history. But I'm going to keep doing it because I want you to get this picture in your mind. <clears throat> so let's recap. God called Abram in Genesis 12, who would later be named Abraham. God said he would make of Abraham a great nation. Then he promised that he would bless the seed of Abraham, making his physical descendants, meaning, excuse me, meaning his physical descendants, and give them the land that is, never forget it, Israel today. Then he said those blessings of the seed and the land would be forever. Then he narrowed down the seed to Isaac instead of Ishmael, then to Jacob instead of Esau, and then to the seed of Jacob. God renamed Jacob and called him Israel. The seed of Jacob was his 12 sons who headed the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Then near his death, Jacob prophesied that kings of Israel would come out of the tribe of his son Judah. Though Saul was the first king of Israel, he was from the tribe of Benjamin and could not fulfill the promises that God had made to Jacob. David followed Saul. David was from the tribe of Judah. Then God narrowed his promise of kings by saying that the kings of Israel, the kings of the nation, would not only come from the tribe of Judah, but in fact through the family line of David, who was then followed by his son Solomon. In his message to David through the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 8, the Lord confirmed that the nation of Israel would be planted in their land and that the house and the kingdom of David would be established forever. I hope you see this pattern. I, I hope you see what's happening. Now, just for historical reference, think of Abraham living about 2000 BC. Think of David living about 1000 BC. Now, let's move to 1 Kings. 1 Kings 1 tells us that just before David died, Solomon, his son, was anointed to be the next king of the nation of Israel. Now, over time, Solomon built the temple, and the Lord manifested himself in the temple, confirming his blessing on Solomon as king. But Solomon fell into idolatry. God told him that the kingdom was going to be taken away from him in the days of his son. By the way, I want to, I want to pause here for a moment to emphasize this incredible truth. Solomon was going to be punished. He was going to lose the kingdom. But you know, he did not lose it personally. His son 
who we're going to talk about in a moment, his son was the one who lost the kingdom. I can't tell you how many times I have wondered about the things that I do and what impact they are going to have on my children, or perhaps even beyond that, to my grandchildren. This is incredible to me. So God told Solomon he was going to take the kingdom away from him in the days of his son, Rehoboam. Now, the Lord said this, and this follows up with what I just mentioned a moment ago. The Lord said this, that for David's sake, so now we get to Rehoboam's grandfather, Solomon's father, but for David's sake, Judah and one other tribe, which was Benjamin, would not be part of the rebellion that would be raised against Rehoboam. Now, again, I'm on a little bit of a tangent here, but I just have to say it. Do you understand God said, Solomon, you're going to be punished, but it's your son who's going to suffer. And then he said, your son is going to lose the kingdom. But for the sake of David, Rehoboam's grandfather, Solomon's father, for the sake of David, the whole kingdom isn't going to be lost. A lot of it is, but Judah and Benjamin will not be lost in the rebellion. Again, I challenge you to think about what impact our life could have on our children or our grandchildren. I'll never get over that thought in my own life. So the Lord said that for David's sake, Judah and one other tribe, which was Benjamin, would not be part of the rebellion that would be raised against Rehoboam. Well, in time, the rebellion came. It was led by a young man named Jeroboam. Jeroboam, take note of it, Jeroboam was from the tribe of Ephraim. Now, you can read about that rebellion in the early chapters of 1 Kings. Jeroboam's success brought the 10 other tribes of Israel together in a northern kingdom. So you have Judah and Benjamin making up the southern kingdom, just those two tribes. Jeroboam takes 10 tribes and gathers them together into a northern kingdom, and that kingdom became known as Israel. Now keep this in mind, and we're going to close with this. The northern kingdom made up of the ten tribes of Israel had no future. God's plan was to work through David's family to have a king for the nation. Israel, the northern kingdom, had 19 kings over about 250 years. But then they were conquered by the Assyrians. By the way, you'll hear them referred to sometimes as the ten lost tribes. Let me tell you, Second Chronicles 15 tells of defectors from the tribes of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon who established a covenant with Judah's king Asa to seek the Lord. Then in Second Chronicles 30, we read of some of the tribes of Manasseh, Ephraim, Issachar, Asher, and Zebulun who joined with Hezekiah, king of Judah, for the Passover celebration. Now, the kings of the ten tribes were all wicked, and the kingdom got conquered. But listen, many of those people, many people from those tribes returned to join with Judah 
Now that's important. They were not lost. And unfortunately, our time is out for today. I hope you'll join us next time. We're moving through history to get an understanding of prophecy. Lord bless you.